Hi there and welcome to Abroad with Care, the 10-minute podcast that makes health easy for expats in Asia. My name is Andrea and every day I help expats make the most of their life abroad. With this podcast, you will finally get the practical answers you need on budgets, hospitals, maternity and many more topics. Twice a month, leading experts will share advice and tips to help you protect yourself and your family. This podcast is created in partnership with April International, a leading insurance services group supporting expats when it matters. Many expats who have moved to Asia decide to build a family or grow their existing one. The topic of maternity or parenthood can be quite daunting, especially for new parents outside of their home country. In this episode, we will address one of the key questions of parents-to-be. How to choose between private and public hospitals when giving birth. I'm delighted to welcome Rosie Adams, registered midwife working at OTMP Healthcare in Hong Kong. But first, let's hear Aud's story. Aud had her first child last year during the pandemic in Hong Kong, and she chose to have prenatal checkups in a private clinic, but to give birth in a public hospital. She explained to us why she was pretty happy with her decision. So, so I had my baby in June 2020. So it was, uh, it was a, a bit of a strange experience because it was uh, COVID time. So I decided to give birth in a public hospital. Uh, to be honest, the main reason for it at the beginning was that I didn't have any insurance. So I didn't have anything to cover the, the private hospital. Uh, I was a bit afraid like of the, of the language barrier. So I thought maybe the nurse, like their English wouldn't be so good. So if I had any question because it was my first baby, I was like, are they going to be able to understand my question and to answer my question like in, in, a, in a way that I understand the answer? And honestly, it was like there was no problem at all. Everybody was speaking a very, very good English. If you want to deliver in a public hospital, you need to do some checkup in the public hospital before the birth. So I did this uh, mandatory checkup at the public hospital. And then I also did a bit of uh, follow-up with a private doctor. I think it's really like it's really a choice that you should make, like whether or not you have enough money, because in the end, like going private costs a lot of money. And whether or not you want like the ultimate comfort, are you okay to to be like in a public ward for like a few days or a few hours? And also, I think something that's important to know in Hong Kong is that all the materials, like the best materials and the best doctors are in the public hospital. So if anything goes wrong in a private hospital, you will be sent to the public hospital anyway. If I was to do it again, I would do it the same way. So I would do like the follow-up, a mix of private and public, but I would give birth in a public hospital. Hi, Rosie. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. When it comes to prenatal and birth care, choosing between a public or a private hospital is a a very popular debate for parents to be, such as Aud. So before we discuss this more in depth, I think we should just take a step back as it's quite important to discuss what level of medical care an expat should expect when giving birth in Asia. I mean, with, you know, Hong Kong and Singapore specifically, we are very lucky actually to have access to a public healthcare system that is of a very high standard of care. You know, the care is very safe. The uh, practice is all evidence-based. Here in Hong Kong specifically, a lot of them are teaching hospitals. So, yeah, you've got a lot of uh, physical support there that's very, very safe. So I think that offers a lot of reassurance to to people when they're considering options. 
yeah, we, we are fortunate enough to have choice, which I think is so important for people with, uh, you know, in different circumstances and different considerations for their care. And it's also really key to understand the pregnancy and parenthood culture in Asia. So what, what would you say are the key traditions and beliefs? I would say from speaking to clients, the, the main thing that comes up really is the, is the communication aspect of the care. Uh, in Western medicine, it's very much about open communication, informed choice, um, discussing concerns openly. Whereas in Asia, clients have, have kind of talked to me about the fact that they operate on a no news is good news approach, um, which is great in some ways because, you know, the, the they're doing all the checks they need to do, but especially when it's your first child, um, that dialogue and that communication, I think, is so important. And sometimes there's not, um, I'd say more so in the public system, um, there's not the time and the uh, the approach, they would say they're prioritizing the, the physical aspect of the care more than the perhaps emotional side or the communication side of things. Mm, interesting that you've mentioned the communication style differences. What could you say about prenatal care? What are the differences between using prenatal care in the public and the private sector, possibly maybe in Hong Kong and Singapore? Yeah, so I think both Hong Kong and Singapore do operate uh, very similarly in the fact that uh, in the public system, you'll be, depending on which hospital you deliver in, uh, you'll be allocated um, either the hospital clinic or an external clinic where you'll go for your antenatal appointments there's no continuity of care, unfortunately. You'll be seeing a different face uh, every time. The wait times tend to be quite long and the, and the appointment times themselves quite short. So regularly here of maybe a two to three hour wait for your antenatal checkup. And then once you do get in to see the midwife or to see the doctor, you're out within five to ten minutes at the most. Uh, you don't have that same kind of sense of familiarity um, and, and comfort that comes with seeing the same face and that continuity we know has such a positive impact on on women during their pregnancy and, and and beyond so I would say that that's a you know the flexibility the wait times um, and the lack of continuity are the main things that that are discussed in the, in the public system um, like I said all the checks will be done to a high standard but comparatively in the private system you choose your doctor so you'll have your choice of your obstetrician um, lots and lots of different obstetricians uh, to choose from different approaches different personalities uh, but you do have the freedom there to opt for somebody who you think is the right fit for you. You've discussed a little bit about prenatal care and what to expect there what could you say about birthing plans what are the key differences between giving birth in a public versus a private hospital? think a kind of a good a good way of approaching this type of thing is is birth preferences <laughs> meaning that uh, labor and, and birth is a road that could take many forks we don't know exactly what those forks are going to be so I kind of advise my clients to think about if you could plan your ideal uh, labor and birth what would that look like but then also have the um, kind of a little bit of flexibility to shift and change these uh, certain aspects uh if something unexpected were to happen or the plan needed to change for usually for medical reasons. But I'd say a format, if you're putting together your own birth plan, which you can do in both public and private, would be making a bullet point list, uh, concise, clear points of your main wants and wishes. 
of course, in the, the two different systems, the environment will be quite different. So in the private system, you tend to be admitted to your delivery room straight away. That gives you a lot more flexibility, a lot more space uh, to, to move around. Uh, often they will come with um, baths uh, attached. So you could use the water for pain relief. I, I would say in the public system, uh, from speaking to clients, it does depend on who's looking after you. There might be somebody who's a little bit more traditionally trained, who might their practices might differ from um, certain things that you that you might want to to do in terms of, like I said, hypnobirthing or delivering an alternative position. So making these things very very clear in your birth plan in the in the public system, I think, can be so helpful. Language barrier tends to be uh, not so much of an issue, which is great because. Uh, of the fact that actually the, the uh, midwives and the doctors will do all of their uh, clinical notes in English. So the level of English is very, very high with the people that will be looking after you, which I think is really reassuring. It's also important to note that the private system will uh, only accept clients for delivery after 34 weeks. Uh, this being because majority of private hospitals, they only have a lower level of special care as opposed to neonatal intensive care. Uh, all the public systems do have access to this higher level of care. So if there were any complications that were to arise prior to this or any uh, you know, the unlikely event of any preterm labor uh, before 34 weeks, then they would automatically, even if you were booked to deliver in the private system, they would automatically refer you to the public system uh, for that higher level of care. We understand that it's important to think of your specific needs before making a decision. What criteria should we take into consideration to choose between private or public? A big thing we can take off the table is is safety, because we know whichever route we go, you're going to have safe care, which I think is paramount. But obviously, the uh, there are great differences um, between both systems. So I'd say that one of the biggest factors is cost. The public system, if you're, if you're a resident of, uh, of that country, the cost will be very minimal. The private system, yes, depending on your doctor, your room classification, your hospital, the bills will vary. The cost of that will vary. Majority of insurers, we, we find these days that um, they're imposing a cap. Um, So they will cover the maternity care to a certain point and then um, it will need to cover the the rest of the the cost yourself out of pocket. The communication element that we've we've touched on already um, is another big factor. So with the public system, I would say, you know, what really has helped my clients, I see a lot of clients who deliver in the public system, education is so important and, and managing your own expectations. So if you educate yourself on um, you know, by listening to podcasts like this on uh, what to uh, perhaps expect and the differences between the systems and, and what the approach is like in the public, I think that's so, so helpful. Something that is also to take into consideration now is the, the fact that the coronavirus has imposed a lot more restrictions on birth partners being able to attend uh, deliveries. Um, And that has caused a lot of my clients over the last um, 18 months to switch from public to private because uh, during times where cases have increased, unfortunately, uh, they have stopped birth partners uh, from being able to attend at all. Um, Naturally, the comfort levels are quite different between the two systems. So 
the public system. Unfortunately, notoriously, the food is not uh, particularly uh, appetizing, uh, but you can take in your own snacks, which we definitely recommend. And you will be sharing if you're in the antenatal ward and the postnatal wards, you will be sharing uh, with six to eight women, depending on how busy they are. In the private system, they have uh, different room classifications. So uh, you have the option of a private room. Of course, that comes with additional costs, but there is that option there. Uh, and if you do opt for, for this, then your partner can stay with you throughout. So taking all aspects into consideration is very, very uh, individual. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, thanks for the tips. It's very important to consider on an individual basis, I suppose, what costs, um, level of medical care and even communication styles to ensure that expectations are met. So thanks again, Rosie. No problem at all. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to Abroad With Care. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you don't miss out on any health-related topics. Your friends may have the same questions as you and you can help them out by sharing this episode with them. Do you want to know more regarding health insurance? April International is here for you. Find out more information at asia.april-international.com.